Welcome to the Century Church Podcast with Dr. Patrick M. Quinn. You can find out more information about Century Church at www.century.church or download our app at the Apple or Google Play Store. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to our series, When God Doesn't Make Sense, for our final conversation. We have had three incredible, powerful testimonies, and I know that you're in for a treat today with our couple that will be sharing a very, very, very powerful experience in their own life. It was a dark day, as you will as you will soon come to find out, and you will see how God's presence and their faith carried them through. But Today, as we continue this series, When God Doesn't Make Sense, we're going to talk about when God feels distant. Has God ever felt distant to you? Have you ever had a long day? Have you ever felt like the darkness was closing in? Have you ever felt like you were journeying into a place of the unknown where you didn't have very many answers and you weren't sure what was happening? Well, that's exactly what you're going to hear about today and how this couple made their way through it. You know, I want to share with you a passage of scripture, because when we think about dark days uh, and I think about their story, I think about the darkest day in our faith. And the darkest day in our faith is Jesus on the cross. It's Good Friday. And in the Christian church, in the calendar, we call it Good Friday leading up to Easter Sunday. And Good Friday is Jesus dying on the cross. Good because the good news of of eternal life is on the way. Good because of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Christ, for all of our sins. But yet it's the darkest day in our faith to see Jesus hanging on that cross. And there's a moment in time in, the, in a passage of scripture in the end of that story in, in Mark's gospel where Jesus uh, cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we can all feel that way, right? And I feel like that gives us permission when Jesus says those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But if you, if you uh, look into his words a little deeper, you find that they come from Psalm 22, or most scholars would suggest that. And so when you look at Psalm 22, it starts off with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it goes on to say this, why are you so far from helping me? Anybody feel like that today? From the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but find no rest. Maybe some of you feel like that today. And then the psalmist writes these words, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our ancestors trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. I thought about this as I as I thought about David and Brandy Love's story, who you're about to hear uh, in just a moment. It's a story about going through a dark day as uh, their family encountered the coronavirus, and David contracted that and found himself in the hospital. And so I want to share with you today this conversation that we're about to have and the way in which God, although it felt like maybe God was distant, that their faith was able to sustain them through uncertain times. And so welcome, David and Brandy. We're excited that you're with us today. Thank you for being willing to come and share your heart and share your testimony and share this story. You know, so many of us uh, watch the news. You can't help. It's everywhere. It's a global pandemic. Uh, You know, millions of people, uh, lives turned upside down, billions of people, the whole world. And uh, David, for you, you have been one of the few, really, in the state of Alabama and one of the first, really, uh, when you think about percentages-wise, to contract the coronavirus. And uh, I know that walking with your family through that 
you all had some pretty interesting uh, moments uh, that we're trying and testing. And so, uh, you know, introduce yourselves real quickly. And then I want to jump into this story of what that looked like for you to be one of the first ones on the front end in our state to contract the coronavirus and, and, and what happened next in, in your lives. Hi, I'm Brandy Love, and this is my husband, David Love, and um, we have two children, Sebastian and Skylar, and um, I am a stay-at-home mom, work from home as well, and he um, is retired military of 20 years and now works at the United States Post Office at night, and um, yeah, that was a, was a pretty, pretty crazy time. <laughs> Yeah, so take us back to it. David, give us the timeline of uh, when you started showing symptoms and, and, and what, what ultimately landed you into, uh, into a hospital stay with the coronavirus. You yeah. want to do the timeline? You want me to? <laughs> you can do the timeline. I, I pretty much know the timeline like That's true. because I've said you, it you, so many times. Absolutely. Uh, it was March, March 30th, basically, is around the, the timing that he started showing symptoms. Um, and that was like a Monday, Tuesday. And then it was usually on his two days off, he could sleep it off and be good. But he started off with a sinus infection. Um, and on Thursday, it got to the point where I could tell, I was like, this is not going away. And I made him go to an urgent care and they did a full face facial um, x-ray of his sinuses and then a chest x-ray. Chest x-ray was clear, but the facial, it was completely black. His sinuses were completely blocked. Um, gave him an antibiotic and gave him um, a steroid and sent him home. And that night he started vomiting and having diarrhea. And then, um, his temperature started rising and that was a Thursday by Saturday. He was completely dehydrated, had no taste. He could taste everything tasted like metal. Um, his temperature had gone up to 102. He, he was coughing, um, and still blowing his nose and everything. And he got to a point where I looked at him and I said, babe, if you pass out, I can't, I can't carry you. I'm strong. I'm strong, but I can't pick you up. And so I ended up calling EMS and they took him by ambulance to um, the hospital and they gave him bags of fluid. Um, they tested him for RSV, strep and flu, which were all negative. Also tested him for the virus. But of course, we couldn't get those results for uh, they told us up to 72 hours it would take. Um, and they ended up four hours later sending him home because technically he wasn't, he wasn't having breathing issues. They did a chest x-ray. He had small pockets that could possibly be pneumonia. And, um, they basically were saying he wasn't sick enough and they sent him home. So that was Saturday come Monday. Temperature went up to 103. I could tell his coughing was a lot harder and I mean, still the same thing. Nothing was getting better. And I called the ER and I said, I'm bringing him back. And we got in the car. I took him curbside drop off and just, just drop me off. <laughs> and I was like, 
you know, and I mean, he could barely stand up at that point. He asked for a wheelchair and um, he went in and they did chest X-ray. It was pneumonia. Um, he was having breathing issues at that point. So they put him on oxygen and um, I got the call a couple of hours later that they were going to admit him. And then it wasn't until that Tuesday, that next day, Tuesday, that we got the confirmation he had COVID. Okay. So David, you have COVID. You're now in the hospital. You have pneumonia. Uh, take us through your, your thoughts. Like what, what was going on back then? Because that's, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty scary time. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, how many people had, had contracted the virus in our state? Um, at that time in April, I believe it was like 4,500 that had actually confirmed cases. Um, 96 people had passed away from COVID. Um, uh, I had a buddy of mine in the post office that it pretty much passed away when I, uh, when, when I was admitted, he, uh, he passed away the next day from COVID in the hospital. Um, he was at a different hospital, but, um, he was still there for COVID. Um, so once you enter the hospital, there's no, no visits, no family visits. So luckily I, uh, I grabbed my cell phone or a charge cord so I could, uh, keep contact with my family. Yeah. So, so you're there and you're faced with the news of hearing about a coworker that has passed away from, from COVID. You're in the hospital without, uh, without visitors. It's early on less than 5,000 cases. What, what do we have today? I'm sure you probably know better than, than <laughs> you've had COVID. You probably- I, think, I think the news reported yesterday that it was, uh, we just surpassed 100,000 cases. Okay, so you're, you're in the first 5,000. You've had a buddy pass away, and now you're in a hospital bed with you and your cell phone and no visitors. Um, what, what did that feel like? What, what was going on for you? Lost. Scared. Didn't know what the next step was. Um, they they didn't know what they was going to do as far as um, start what kind of medication that I was going to be on. At that time, there was two different medications. One was like anti-malaria and one was that something they hadn't really tested yet. So um, it was it was it was difficult not knowing anything. Yeah, you've talked a lot about the unknown and how that has been probably the biggest uh, challenge for you was this not knowing anything. Because, I mean, you're, you know, as time goes on, we, we have obviously learned more and more about the coronavirus uh, and as a, as, a, as a culture, as a society. And, uh, and we've seen now what the numbers look like and, and who recovers and, and who's most susceptible. But when you lose a buddy that you work with, and you're one of the first ones into this situation. You know, now you find yourself uh, in the hospital all alone. Brandy, what's going on in your mind right now as a as a wife? I mean, at that moment, what were what were you what were you thinking through? Seeing what how he was here at the house, and you know, I, I mean, I was worried that you know me and the kids would get it, and luckily we did not. But um, I was sad that he was in the hospital. 
but I also was relieved because I knew that he was going to get the care he needed. And I don't ever remember thinking, you know, negatively as far as like, are we going to make it out of this? You know, it was more of just day, day to day. I mean, every night the kids and I prayed, you know, keep our daddy safe, you know, help him come home to us and help him get well. And um, I mean, but it, the unknown of every day, okay, you know, what's going to happen today? Are, is he going to get better? Waiting for that, that, that line of, okay, we're on the other side of this. I mean, that, that was the hardest thing going each day. I mean, we were in the middle of crisis schooling. And so I did my best at, for the kids throughout the whole day, just keeping a schedule. But then as soon as I put the kids to bed, that was when I would lose it. That was when I was like, okay, God, what are we doing? You know, like, where are we? Show me something. I need a sign. I need you to show me that, that everything's going to be okay. And, you know, I couldn't walk through my bedroom and look at my bed and, you know, not get upset because he wasn't there. And so, I mean, that, that was the hardest part. And then trying to teach our children that we need to trust, we need to trust God. God's going to carry us through this. You know, he's, he's got us. He's going to carry us through this. I had no doubt in my mind that God was going to get this, get us through this. And we just had to continue to believe. And we had, I mean, the support we had was amazing. Um, but that, I mean, that's basically where I was at is I just, I continued to just stay on course and believe. <laughs> yeah. Be the, be the mama at home charging ahead. Right. And going to get the job done. And yeah. I know that you were, you were surrounded by some people who were, who were loving on you and caring for you, but there was a day and I want to get into that for a moment because this is compelling to me and your story is that you're now journeying through Holy Week. Uh, it is, it is uh, coming up is going to be Easter Sunday. And, and David, you ended up spending uh, Easter in the hospital with, with COVID. And uh, there was, you know, take us through, take us through that day. There was a, there was a dark day and, um, and it was tough. And I hope, uh, I hope uh, you're able to share that, but I, I would, you know, there, it was a day that it kind of fell apart for both of you for a little while. So, um, and I think it was the Thursday before Easter Sunday. So talk, talk to us a little bit about what was going on on that day. All week long, uh, leading up to Thursday, um, I had IVs in both arms, one for fluid, one for, I guess antibiotics, um, another IV in my wrist for blood withdrawals. Um, and there was a, there was a fourth IV in the other arm for, uh, I'm not, I can't remember exactly what it was cause they were putting so much, uh, medication in my system. Um, and we, we got to that day on Thursday where, Hmm. 
I just got tired of answering the phone. I got tired of talking to people. I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk anymore. I had the TV that was uh, that was on the room. I turned it off. Um, I just didn't want to. It was it was to the point where we I was scared to the point because I didn't know what was going on. I had not been told yet as far as my if I was gonna make it, if if um if I was getting better, uh if you know it was just a dark day and I wanted to be alone. I I didn't answer my phone. My my mom called. I got ridiculed for that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't answer her phone. Um, my wife called. I didn't answer that one. Again, I heard about it later. Um, my nurses were banging on my window, telling me to answer my phone, and I ignored them all. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And so, Brandy, you're on the other side of that. Take yeah. us through that day for you. For me... I was worried because even with him going through the military, like he, he never really talked about anything, you know, and, and he dealt with things. He deals with things very well. Um, he doesn't like things bother him. He doesn't, you know, let situations take control of him. And I worried because he was alone. Um, even though we were able to FaceTime, you know, I was worried, is he, is he going into a depression, you know? And I don't, I mean, it just wasn't, I knew that he didn't really feel like talking a lot and that's fine, but just even hearing his voice, knowing, you know, it's another day. That's all I needed. I just needed to hear his voice or a text saying, you know, I'm good. Um, but we didn't get any of that. And as the day wore on into the evening, I know that it, it really started to wear on, on you. Yes. Because the kids were like, are we going to get to talk to daddy today? And I was just like, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. And I, at one point he was worried about scaring them because he had all the tubes you know, he had the, the oxygen in his nose and had to wear a mask and all that. And I'm like, no, they need to see you. But that day, you know, I just didn't know what to think. I didn't know what was going on in his head. And I really wish I could have been there for him. And I called his nurse and I was like, you, you need to tell him to call us. Well, it wasn't until the next day that he called. And I mean, I called, you know, I called one of my best friends that night or my mom, one of the two, just crying because I said, you know, I just don't know. I don't know what's going on. I wanted to know what was going on in his head. I wanted to know, you know, did he take a turn for the worse? Which the nurses were great. We were blessed. And especially with one nurse, Miss D, we love her. We just, we were blessed with the people that were taking care of him. And they would answer any questions we had. And they kept assuring me that everything was okay. He's doing great. You know, he's not going backwards. 
And so that's really all I lived off of was we're not going backwards. And I bring all this up because I remember you actually called me that night too. I did. And that was a, uh, that was not the brandy that I normally talk to. Yeah, that was the one time, I guess, uh, that negativity came in and was like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) I don't know what to think. You know, I mean, I still believe that God was going to carry us through this, but I also was asking God to show me one sign, mm-hmm. something, one thing. It could be small. <laughs> yeah. So I just find it, I, I, I've always found it interesting having to go through this for you all really on Easter weekend. <laughs> and I read from the passage of Jesus on the cross and why have you forsaken me? Going through a dark time, we see Christ, the Son of God, going through a dark time. And, uh, and it's kind of like, I told you, David, it's kind of like you lived the Easter story a little bit. Um, you're in this dark place. You A lot of unknown, a lot of uncertainty. You don't want to talk. You just find yourself still and silent. I mean, it kind of feels paralyzing, I, I'm sure, uh, to some extent. And... Um, Tell us how, how the next couple of days went. So it's now Friday and Saturday. And uh, tell us how those days went after you went through kind of that darkest moment. What, 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 what happened next? Well, starting with Thursday, before, before they got there, uh, I, I heard a voice that, I heard a voice that told me to get up. I heard a voice that told me to get moving. Then I had a lot to live for. And I knew we had to keep fighting to get through that day into Friday. And it just, going into Friday, I felt more, more awake. I felt like I was, I turned that, I made that turn toward uh, getting to know where I was in my, in my journey to get through this. Um, so I started asking more questions as far as what are you using to get me through this? What, what kind of drugs are being pumped in my system to get me to a better state? <clears throat> um, Friday and Saturday were uh, <laughs> probably the two best days. Um, but then of course, the storms on on Easter Sunday probably weren't, weren't the best for Montgomery, but I, I had I was the only room that had a window, so I was able to see the sun, the rain, the wind. So it was it was different for me to be able to walk through the the weather, as you as people may say. Um, it was just I felt like I I. 
I felt like I had been shown the light to keep moving. Mm. So, you know, talk about either one of you, like how I'm always amazed when people go through difficult times, how God shows up in surprising ways. And you said, David, there's a voice, you know, and Brandy, I know there's things that, that happened like angels that show up like people, uh, signs from God, things that allow you to keep pressing forward. Um, talk about some of those, those things, because that's part of living through a darkness, right? Living through a valley, going through a tough time when God maybe feels like he's not distant, but maybe God is nearer than we, than we think, you know, maybe there, maybe there are some moments that we have to open up our eyes and look around and go, okay, wait a second. Like God is in this. Um, what, how, how do you define that with the things that, that went on during this tough time with your family? Well, I'd say, I mean, to get me through it, first off, it came to you and our church because, I mean, the support, you know, I, I probably talked with you every other day, if not every day. You know, the voice he heard in his head was your voice. And, I mean, God always puts people in your life for a reason. And, you know, those people, is, I mean, they, that's who helps you get through things. I reconnected with friends that I hadn't talked to in forever. I had people calling me and praying with me that I, I mean, people my brother went to high school with that just lost touch, you know. Um, I had, we had meals. The family had meals. Um, fam, friends, family, um, coworkers, coworkers. Um, there were people that dropped off goodie bags for the kids to have things to do, and we, you know, we would do the crafts and the stuff together. Um, so, I mean, this, there were, there was no way I wasn't going to make it through it because, I mean, everybody around me wasn't going to allow that, you know. I mean, you had started the 828 prayer in the morning. And I mean, that just started our day that I made sure every morning, even if I didn't get up early, my alarm clock was set for 820. <laughs> I was going to get up every single morning and that was going to start my day. And and then, you know, we ended it in prayer and to make sure that we were just um, showing, you know, God, look, we're here. We believe now we're just waiting on you. Um, for me, a lot of times in trials, like I, my, one of my favorite things is the footprints prayer or the foot, you know, the footprints in the sand. And I don't know if everyone has heard of it, but if you haven't, you need to look it up because the whole thing is amazing. But my favorite part in it is the, towards the end of it. And it says, Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there is only one set of footprints. I don't understand why when I needed you most, you would leave me. I love, the Lord replied, my precious, my precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times and trials and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints in the sand, it was then that I carried you. 
And I truly believe that that's exactly what he did. He carried me and our kids and him through this whole thing. Amen. Yeah. So, David, um, talk about getting out. Busting out of the hospital. Uh, that's, that's exactly what we try to do. <laughs> Bust out. Um, that day was uh, kind of kind of odd. Tuesday night, all my nurses, um, well, Tuesday, Tuesday my, my oxygen level wasn't reading uh, very well on my finger because of the size they are and the little piece of the tape they put on, so it wasn't holding a good connectivity. So my nurse said, let's try something. Let's put it on your ear right here where the cartilage is and see if your oxygen level comes up or stays where it needs to be for 12 hours, and then tomorrow morning we'll see where we, we are and justify whether you get out or not. So for <laughs> for 12 hours, I kept this thing on my ear um, to hold the pressure, and my oxygen level stayed 96, 97, 98 the entire night, um, which it was what they were waiting to see for me to, to show that I could, I could – you know, maintain oxygen level and be able to get out. So Wednesday came, they came to get their blood early, like they always did. Um, they, they turned off the antibiotics. Um, I took the IV out. Um, and nurse came in and said, uh, today's the day. Um, they've, we've got 12 new cases that came in, um, that are sick and they need a room and you're as healthy as they can be. So we're going to kick you out. And it was one of those. Just, oh, wait, hold on. I'm not. I'm not ready yet. And they were like, "You're healthier than everybody else, so it's time for you to go." And I was like, "Okay, so I'm a well. You're well enough to go home and, and take some medication." I was like, "Okay." Did she send you a picture too? That you sent me. It had a picture of the nurse and him. Oh. It was like a collage, and it had um, COVID nineteen. Peace out. <laughs> yeah. Now, David, before you got out of the hospital, I, I I recall you telling me that you, uh, while Brandy was watching the eight twenty eight prayers, you were watching other things going on at at Century. <laughs> yes, your extravaganza Easter <laughs> show um, kept me in my wits and kept me uh, focused on what we do great things in this church. Um, all, all I can remember is Ben the Bunny. That ben stuck bunny. in my head every day from the time I watched it until the time we got out. Even now, Ben the Bunny and you in that purple hat, green jacket made me laugh every day. I'm glad I could provide you with some entertainment because yes, uh, that, that, that's not something they teach you in seminary is, uh, um, you know, <laughs> look, look like a tired old game show host or something on, <laughs> you know, on online for everyone. But when you told me that, I just had to laugh that uh, you, you'd gone pretty far down to have to use that as your entertainment. But uh, <laughs> well, God reaches out in several in, in different ways. So. <laughs> No, so, all right. So I, I've got a question that, that I feel like we need to talk through is you go through this and, you know, you've talked about your faith sustaining you through it. And both of you have been great servants in the church in so many ways. Uh, I remember, David, us packing up the church one one specific day. Uh, this this one of my favorite stories to tell about David Love is because uh, you're not for everyone watching. This is not you're not able to completely see 
how tall and strong and large David is, you know, uh, he's, he's definitely like, uh, twice my, my size. And so, uh, so he, uh, we're packing up the, the, uh, the, the equipment and I'm lifting up one of the stage pieces and those stage pieces are pretty heavy. And I asked you to, you know, get the other end. I was like, Hey, you get the other end or whatever. And you, you moved me out of the way and just picked up the whole thing yourself and went over and, and threw it on there. And, and I was like, well, or that works. Uh, <laughs> and to, to that, that just, uh, that made me want to go to the gym a little bit more. So anyways, uh, just seeing how strong I was like, golly, you just picked up like a car and brought it over there. It was just crazy. Uh, how strong you were in that. So, all right. So, but you, you all both servant hearts done so much in the church. You've talked about your faith, but how, how has this strengthened your faith going through something like this? For me, it, I mean, it showed me how God carries you through things. And it also helped me to strengthen our children's faith and to rely on him when we do go through trials because it showed them that he did take care of their daddy and he brought their daddy home. Um, you know, it, it has opened up a line of communication more between us. Um, because like I said, in the past, he would not necessarily talk about, you know, he wouldn't have talked about that day. And I mean, I literally made him sit down and talk to me about it way before any of this. And it just, it's amazing that, you know, the line of communication that that opened. Um, David, what about you? It's definitely, uh, um, seeing that he, that, that God, you know, helps us through these times and it makes life easier to, uh, to trust in him, um, has, has helped me through more scenarios since, since April. And, and it allows me to go into it with a more of a neutral, neutral mindset instead of my, previous to April to, you know, be more aggressive, be try to be a, a little bit different toward my coworkers, my families, uh, my friends. Um, so it, it's helped me again it, through communication um, and, and how I, I guess how I talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. When you get knocked down, it's amazing how compassion seems to uh, be a gift that you're given. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So in speaking of that with your coworkers and things, uh, I know that there was also a moment, you know, you, you all lost a coworker, you were in the hospital and then our church partnered with many organizations to provide meals for, uh, healthcare workers and, and, uh, and others on the front line. And then, uh, you got a chance to step in to that. Uh, talk about that for a second. Uh, actually, the the day after or the day before, day either the day I got out or the day after I got out, you guys had provided meals to the hospital which I was in, and I was grateful. I um, I got a chance to see the kind of impact that did on uh, on the community on the on the hospital, 
Um, and plus, I had a lot of folks from work that sent text messages, um, called the hospital. I don't know how they found out where I was at, but uh, <clears throat> I, I, they uh, deliver the mail, David. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they definitely deliver. My my mail wasn't coming there, but uh, <laughs> but um, they they called the hospital. They you know they asked to speak to me, so I, I had quite a few coworkers that were um, in the mix with me as much as I was if I, if I was at work. Um, we had other coworkers get sick as well. Um, luckily, it didn't. It didn't have to go through what I went through, but they went through the positive virus and the 14 days of quarantine and their families. So <clears throat> I felt that <clears throat> it would be it would be a nice gesture for me to say thank you. So <clears throat> I fed. I, I bought 16, uh, 600 meals from uh, a local restaurant, and I fed. Uh, the entire plant, um, all 370 of them, and then all the meals that I had left over, um, I took to a, a hospital close to the plant and gave it to them and, and tried to feed as many, many people as I could. Yeah. That must have been a pretty powerful day for you to be with your coworkers after all that you all have been through with losing one and you going through what she went through and then to be able to have a meal together and for Absolutely. you to be able to serve them. Absolutely. It was a long day. Um, it, it started off in the early, early in the morning because the day shift comes in early and they eat fairly early in the morning for their, their, their lunch. So to be able to pack up 80 something lunches and uh, take them in and drop them off and sit with them and hand it to them. And tell them, thank you. It was nice. That's so awesome. All right. So as we get ready to close out our conversation today, if there's somebody watching, and I'm sure there will be, that is going through a dark day like you went through, um, a day when it feels distant um, from God, what would you say to somebody uh, that's right now in that moment. So David, Brandy, both of you kind of weigh in, like what would you tell that person that's leaning into this conversation today? Trust in the Lord. Even though he's, he may not be sitting with you on a couch next to you, he's there. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. Keep pushing through it. There's always a light coming towards you. A better day. And I'd say, just remember you're never alone. And let people help you. Let people in. Um, I mean, I don't know what I would have done without all the support from everybody in our family. So, I mean, you're never alone. No matter what. There's always somebody there that's willing to help. Amen. You know, I, I think as we've gone through this conversation, I started with, with uh, Jesus on the cross, and we move into resurrection of uh, David. You hearing, uh, I don't even know how you heard my voice in that, but you heard, you heard that voice, you know, get up, get moving. you got things to do. And I think that's the powerful story of resurrection is Jesus reminding us, um, even in the worst of moments, death itself we have the hope to get up, get moving into an eternal life with him. And, you know, Jesus's first words were uh, found in, uh, in Mark's gospel 
uh, chapter one, he says, the kingdom of God is drawing near, repent and believe. And uh, I couldn't help but think about that, David, as you're like, he might not be on, you might not be able to see him on the couch next to you, but he's nearer than you think. And the kingdom of God is near to us. And so um, thank you for sharing your story today. Thank you for being uh, transparent. I know it's hard for a big guy to shed some tears, you know, uh, but I, I appreciate your, your sincerity and walking us through that darkest day for you and for your family, Brandy, and your children and the way in which your faith sustained you in, in uncertain times. You know, as we get ready to, to close out, everyone, uh, I want to remind you that, uh, that sometimes it looks like in our faith that God doesn't make sense. And we've learned throughout this series and we've learned more today that that when it looks like God doesn't make sense, God is up to something. And so uh, Brandy and David's words are, are true and, and, and good for us to hear today that even when it feels distant, dark, gloomy, um, hold on. Uh, there, is a, there is a better day coming. There is light at the end of that tunnel. There are people that are ready to surround you. And if you are going through one of those dark days right now, I want you to know that Century Church also is, is right here ready to surround you with love and care and be available to you as we journey together in this thing called life. And as we still journey through uh, some difficult times uh, with the coronavirus and a global pandemic. And so uh, I just want to remind you that reach out to people. Do not feel like you're alone and know that there are people that love and care and will walk alongside of you. This life is tough. It can throw you many curveballs, but there are people that, are, that stand ready and God is always nearer than you think. And so I just want to close us in prayer today, especially for those that might be going through a dark time, um, a difficult time. And if you're not going through one, you know you've been through one. And if you've never been through one, then guess what? You're probably going to go through one at some point. You need to remember these words today because they are sure and true for us in our faith. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we close out. Almighty God, we bow before you today. We give you thanks for the series. We give you thanks for the powerful testimonies of people's real life stories with you and with situations that they've had to journey through. We've heard some really incredible conversations, and this has been another one today. And Lord, as we journey through uh, a global pandemic, as we, as we journey through coronavirus, and uh, as we get ready to send our kids back to school and, and try to find some normalcy of routine in all of this, God, this story is a reminder that you are with us. You are walking with us through every step of life. And every dark valley and every mountaintop uh, still declares your, your name, that you are God and you are holy and you are uh, mighty and you are worthy of our praise. And so, God, I pray over every person that watches this, that hears this story today and that they would be reminded of your goodness, of your uh, plan for their life and of the love that you have for them. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to share uh, in this story that really is your story, your story of salvation for every person. And so, Lord, I pray that every person that watches this would learn to trust you, like David said, would learn to lean on you and learn to believe in you as the author and perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.